Well, I love preaching through a book of the Bible, and I've been doing that back for some time. We would preach through the Gospel of Mark, and then we took a little uh, break to do some things for the holidays and things like that. But I'm getting back to the Gospel of Mark. So uh, we had gotten to chapter 4, verses 21 through 25. <clears throat> this has been a fun a section for me to study this uh, last week or two because it's uh, what I call four random statements that they actually don't even connect to one another. It's like, uh, in fact, these same statements are quoted, are used in Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel, but they're used in a totally different context. We actually see them uh, used like in the Sermon on the Mount or somewhere like that. But Mark wrote the first gospel. His gospel was the first one written, and it's the shortest of the gospels. And it seems like that he he was just writing to give uh, uh, action-type statements about things Jesus did and things Jesus said. He doesn't necessarily follow a chronological order. In fact, there's there's not much order to the gospel of Mark. It's very hard to outline. Whereas Luke is much more organized, and and John, of course, very different, and and Matthew's gospel very different. But this this passage today, it's like Mark was remembering, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course, statements that Jesus had made, and and probably had made them dozens of times. You think uh, Jesus preached for, say, three, three and a half years, And uh, he must have preached hundreds of times in uh, different places. And not just what he preached, but also as he gathered with his disciples, he would tell them certain things. And imagine if, uh, if you were with somebody for three or three and a half years, listening to them teach and preach and also private time with you, and then, uh, then you tried to write down the things they had said and done. Wouldn't that be fun? Be kind of hard to do, wouldn't it? So no wonder he had to have the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit of God brought these things back to Mark's mind, and it seems like he just kind of put them down in uh, just anywhere he wanted to put them. And so we have here in Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 25, what I just call four random statements, and uh, I've, I've tried to see a connection between them, but I just couldn't, and I got looking at some commentaries, different uh, preachers, and uh, it made me feel better because they said they couldn't see any connection either, you know, they just were just kind of four random statements, but, but there, some of these you've heard in other places, of course, if you read the Gospels, so Mark four twenty one, Jesus said to them, <clears throat> Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? Now, you heard that actually in the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus was preaching, he talked about how we're the salt of the earth uh, and and we're the light of the world. And he says a candle or a a lamp is not put under a basket. Can you imagine anything more foolish than taking a, uh, a lamp and and covering it up, you know, I, it's just silly because uh, a lamp is supposed to do what? Yeah, give light so you wouldn't cover it up. We have a, 
we have a lava lamp at our house. Have you ever seen a lava lamp? Yeah, if you lived back in the 70s, you probably saw some. Well, we hadn't quite gotten out of the 70s yet, so my wife found a lava lamp in a yard sale. Wait, a yard sale? That's where she buys almost all of our stuff. And uh, <clears throat> But she brought this lava lamp in. We said, I just love my lava lamp. And uh, But we've got it sitting right up in a prominent place up on the mantle above our fireplace, and I would never think about putting a basket over it or uh, or even turning it off because I like to see that thing bubble. Have you seen a lava lamp? See, girls know what a lava lamp is. Okay, do you, Hannah? Yeah. Okay, well, good. I didn't know. I thought that might be new for some of you. But, uh, uh, but a lamp is designed to to light up a room, and it's also designed to help other people use that light to be able to uh, to get around and to see by. So when I get up in the middle of the night to let my dog go out, uh, I'm glad to have that lava lamp in the living room because it lights my way and leads me to the door. So uh, so he says that, uh, that that's the first saying. And we see this in Matthew 5, 5. We see it in Luke chapter 11, verse 16. We see it in Luke chapter 11, verse 33. But here, it's just kind of thrown in to the mix. You you don't put a lamp under a basket. We'll talk about that in a minute. Now, the next verse (coughs) says, For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. That's a kind of a difficult verse, isn't it? But it's a, it's a meaningful verse. It says that there's that nothing is actually hidden that will not sooner or later be revealed. There are a lot of people who think they're hiding things from uh, from people, only to find out later that they eventually get revealed. We'll talk more about that. <clears throat> Then in verse 23, this is right in the middle of these uh, four random statements. He said, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And this verse is repeated many times in the Bible. Then verse 24, take heed what you hear. With the same measure that you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Very, very good. In fact, I probably won't even get that far in my message today. It'll probably be next Sunday's message. And then verse 25, For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Isn't that some kind of unusual Bible verses, isn't it? Yeah, I, I can see some of you looking like, you're kind of scratching your head without using your hand. You're just kind of, hmm, that's a, a interesting verses there, some interesting verses. Well, let's just take them one by one. That very first one, verse 21, says uh, a lamp is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed. Is it not to be set on the lampstand? Here's what I think this means, that truth is meant to be seen. You see, light is intended to be visible. Obviously, if you have light that's covered up, then it doesn't do anybody any good. And so truth 
that is hidden or kept back, refused to be shared, doesn't do anybody any good as well. Now, I will say this, that, uh, boy, our Sunday school lesson this morning, wasn't that a great lesson this morning? And it was about uh, kind of this very thing, this idea of when you know the truth, but you don't share it, then you become almost as guilty as the people who are acting in error. We were talking about this whole abortion issue and how that when we know that abortion is being practiced and we keep silent about it, the Bible says when we see people being led off to slaughter and we say nothing, then we actually become accomplices in a sense. We're guilty. So we are to speak. Truth is to be shared. A light is not hidden and truth is not supposed to be hidden. But we have to realize this, that light sometimes irritates other people. And especially people who hate the light and love darkness. Then when you shine the light to, to in, in the presence of those who love darkness... They will hate the light, and they will hate the light bearer. <clears throat> when my wife and I were in, living in Jackson, Tennessee, uh, we rented a little duplex. We didn't live there long, but uh, it was uh, infested with roaches, cockroaches, la cucaracha, and... Uh, so uh, one night, I had gone to bed, and my wife had gone to the kitchen to get something, and I heard this blood-curdling scream. And I went running in there. I was looking for a weapon. I assumed somebody had broken in the house. And, but uh, when I got in there, the last little bit of the roaches were scattering, you know. And what had happened, she had gone into the dark room, and turned the light on, and there were roaches all over the floor, all over the place. But when the light came on, they scattered. And uh, I thought, that's the way we are supposed to be <laughs> light bearers <clears throat> to make those who hate the light pull back run away, or attack. Of course, I'm sure if these roaches had been uh, those uh, super roaches, science fiction uh, roaches, they would have attacked us instead of running from the light. Because sometimes the light repels, but sometimes the light irritates to such a degree that people will attack. And uh, But the light is supposed to be shine, shining. That, that's, that's the whole purpose of the light is to, to turn it on, to let it shine so that others can see it. And not all will like it, but all will be exposed by it. <clears throat> 500 years ago this year, in Germany and all of Europe, the Roman Catholic Church had become extremely, extremely corrupt. And even the 
uh, Catholic uh, historians would tell you the same thing. And they had uh, begun to, they, they were trying to build a massive St. Peter's Cathedral in Rome. And in order to build it, they had to have lots of money. And so they did what lots of uh, churches do. They began to find ways to get more money out of the people. And they came up with this idea of selling what they called indulgences. They would actually sell to people pre-forgiveness for their sins so that you could come to church on a Sunday and you could buy for $5 or $10 or depending on how serious your sin was going to be, I guess, you could buy forgiveness ahead of time and then you could go out and commit your sin but you already had your indulgence you already had your forgiveness also they were selling indulgences along the line that if you had a loved one a relative who had died and they were teaching back in those days that uh that when when christians died they didn't go to heaven but they didn't go to hell they went to purgatory to have their sins purged or purged and that was why it's called purgatory and and they didn't believe that the blood of Jesus Christ God's son cleanses us from all sins they believed that sins that you hadn't gotten uh, hadn't done penance for and things like that they were still on you and so you were were put in purgatory and you might be there a hundred years you might be there 500 years, you might be there a 1,000 years, depending on how much purging you needed. I know some folks that probably still be there, you know, but uh, if that were the case. But they said, well, I'll tell you what, for a certain amount of money, if you will give a certain amount of money, then uh, uh, Grandpa will get out of purgatory. He can go straight to heaven. Do not pass go. Do not collect two. I mean, I'll pass go and collect two hundred dollars. I guess. In other words, you go straight to heaven, and he gets out of purgatory. And they even had this uh, little saying. We've redone it in English, so it, but it rhymed in in uh, in German as well. It says when a when a coin in the bucket rings, a soul from purgatory springs. And so these people were going around, these priests now, were going around selling indulgences to people. And can you imagine how many people would be willing to either pay for forgiveness for some sin? In fact, it worked out pretty poorly one time. A guy named Tetzel was selling these indulgences, and he went to this one town and a man came up to him and he said, I want to buy uh, an, an indulgence for, a, uh, for one of my sins. And so Tetzel sold him the indulgence. <clears throat> and uh, as Tetzel was going back to uh, 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 his place, a highwayman, a, a, an outlaw, jumped out of the woods and robbed him. And... Tetzel said, you'll burn in hell for this. You're robbing a priest. And the guy held up his indulgence. <laughs> he said, no, this is the sin that I'm being forgiven for. 
So uh, they changed it a little bit so that some sins couldn't be forgiven, no matter what indulgence, and one of them was robbing a priest. But uh, but it's also silly. That's just silly stuff, the idea that you could pay in advance to have sins forgiven or that you could pay to get people uh, out of purgatory into heaven. And so there was a, a monk, an Augustinian monk named Martin Luther, who as he saw what was going on in his day and as he studied the book of Romans and as he studied the Bible, he said, this is wrong. This is just wrong what they're doing. And so on a particular day, at a particular place, at a church called All Saints Church in Wittenberg, Germany, on All Saints Day, which was also the anniversary of the founding of that church, on a day that he knew there would be the biggest crowd of people coming to this church, the night before, he went and nailed to the door of the church in Wittenberg 95 objections to the practices of the church. And it actually started what we call today the Protestant Reformation. It, it lit a fire that spread all across Europe and resulted in some radical changes in the Roman Catholic Church, but it also resulted in the beginning of what we would call today Protestant churches. Churches that said we do not need a pope we do not need church councils. We have a church council, but it's not that kind of council. We do not need uh, laws being given outside the Bible, that the Bible is enough, and the Word of God gives us everything we need for life and for godliness, and we do not have to have uh, uh, we're not we're not servants of the church. We're servants of Christ Himself. And the cry of the uh, Protestant Reformation was: Grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. But you know, it took somebody brave enough. To light, to shine the light, to shine the light. And by the way, this year on Halloween, October the 31st, we'll celebrate the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther nailing the 95 theses on the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. And as we get closer to that, we'll do some things to help celebrate that. But the point is that the lamp had to shine. It had to shine openly. And our Christian message, the truth, has to shine. It has to be out there. You and I need to be truth speakers. Now, we need to speak it in love. The Bible says speak the truth in love. But we need to speak it clearly. We need to speak it Plainly, 
We need to speak it boldly, and we need to speak it compassionately. And there is so much that needs the truth to shine on it today. And matters like uh, abortion, same-sex marriage. These are things that clearly, clearly, clearly go against God's order and God's pattern and God's truth. We don't have to be mean. We don't have to be hateful. We don't have to be ugly, nor should we be. But we do have to say, God says. The Bible says it is clear in the Word of God. And injustice, mistreatment of people is all truth. Light is what drives out darkness. Uh, Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. I love Dr. King. I tell you what, I read everything I could read by him when I was in college. And it was so grievous to me to see the mistreatment, the severe mistreatment of uh, people of color in the part of the world where I grew up, part of the country where I grew up in, in West Tennessee back in the 50s and 60s. We took our granddaughter to see uh, Hidden Figures this last week. It's a marvelous movie. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's accurate. and uh, But it'll make you mad. <laughs> it'll make you mad to know that people of color could not even use bathrooms or drink out of a water fountain or ride in the same bus unless they sat in the back of the bus and were mistreated so horribly. And uh, for many, many years, the church, the church kept silent and hid the light of equal dignity and equal rights of all people under a bushel or under a bed. And it was when the truth began to be spoken, the truth began to be spoken, and by some courageous, and by the way, most of the people who led in what we've come to call the civil rights movement were Christian people. And they didn't base it just on the laws of nature. They based it on Scripture. Known truth, and as they begin to shine that light, the roaches begin to run, and some of them begin to attack. But gradually, gradually, changes were made. They haven't been completely made yet. We're still in the process. There's a uh, there's still a lot to be done on both sides. In fact, some people have said that our country may be as racially divided right now as it ever has been in the history of the United States. But there are courageous voices on both sides who are speaking truth, and that's the only thing that will ultimately change things. And it still needs to be changed. I have one of our dearest friends, uh, African-American, uh, uh, he's a... Deacon, chairman of deacons, actually, in the church that I pastored for so many years down here in Ovilla. He was also on our school board. And sometimes we would have school board meetings that would go till nearly midnight. And uh, when the meetings were over, 
all of us would go get in our cars, and we'd drive out. Three different times, he got stopped by the police. And I, he wasn't doing anything except pulling out of the parking lot. I pulled out. They didn't stop me. All the others pulled out. Nobody stopped them. Leroy pulled out. They pulled him over and stopped him. I asked him, I said, well, what did they stop you for? He said, DWB. I said, what's that? He said, driving while black. <coughs> so I went down and talked to the police chief in Ovilla, and I said, I wonder what's going on. This man gets stopped three times. He's been stopped, and he's not doing anything wrong. And he was a little embarrassed. And he said, well, I, you know, I don't know. I just, and I said, well, you need to talk to your officers and tell them that, you know, being black is not a crime. And he said he would, and he did. And uh, and I, as far as I know, Brother Leroy hadn't been stopped anymore. But I'm just saying that still, still in our day, the light needs to shine. We need to say things are still wrong, and they are wrong because the Bible says they're wrong. God says they're wrong. It's not just because culture says it's wrong so our our truth truth God's truth needs to shine like a light don't put it under a bushel speak the truth in love but speak the truth and then uh, also our Christian faith needs to be seen we don't we don't need to hide the fact that we love Jesus sometimes College students will ask me, you know, say, I don't know what to do. I'm going to go off to college, and uh, I know everybody there, a lot of people are going to be drinking, and they're going to be doing things that, that, that I, I think are wrong. Uh, what do I say? How can I, how can I, without seeming judgmental or critical or whatever? And here's the answer that I've given them over the years, and uh, it's it has been effective for me when somebody says hey you want to go with us to this place or you want to drink this or you want to take this drug or whatever I just simply say you know I have given my life to Jesus Christ and as a follower of Jesus that's something that I can't do I'm not condemning them. I'm not saying, you know, you're a horrible person if you do it. I'm identifying myself with Jesus, and I'm saying that it is a personal choice that I'm making that because I'm a follower of Jesus, I can't do that. And then just, I honestly, I have never been persecuted for saying something like that. In fact, I remember the first time I ever did that, wasn't long after I'd been saved, and uh, you kids, forgive me, but I used to go out, before I got saved, I'd go out with friends of mine, and we would raid people's watermelon patches. We'd, we'd steal their watermelons at night, <coughs> and uh, I, I knew I wasn't supposed to do that, but... Uh, but I did it anyway. And then after I got saved, 
some friends of mine came to me and said, hey, we're going out to uh, Mr. Hadley's watermelon patch. We'll get some watermelons tonight. And he said, come on, go with us. And that was the first post-conversion choice that I had to make. And at first I said, uh, well, I'm busy. Oh, come on, come on. And then I thought, well, now wait a minute. That's not why I'm not going. So I told him, I said, well, you know, I've just recently become a Christian. And as a Christian, I just can't do that. And they all left. And uh, one of them even said, well, you want us to get you a watermelon? <laughs> I said, no, no, I just. And uh, so they were gone for a little while. And then two of them came back, a little drive-in restaurant where I was working. Two of them came back, and they said, uh, you know, we decided not to go, too. And they said, we're, we're Christians, too. I didn't know they were Christians. But they said, you know, we're Christians, too. And they said, I, we're just so thankful that you didn't go because it gave us the courage to say we're not going to go either. Now, there are a lot of times in our life where it is just easier to just be silent, to not identify ourselves with Jesus, but that doesn't let the light shine. And when we let the light shine as a Christian, we do it in three ways. One, we do it with our, our words. We identify ourselves as a Christian. I am a follower of Jesus. Now, I used to say I'm a Christian, but I've learned over the years that that really means very little in America. And now I say I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a Jesus follower. So identify with your words, but also with your actions. And if you're going to say, you better do. And uh, if you're... If you put a I love Jesus bumper sticker on your car, you better not be shaking your fist at people in the traffic, okay? <laughs> or blowing your horn and, and, and getting mad. So I'm not saying you ought to take the bumper sticker off your car. I'm saying that, that, that your actions ought to be consistent with your statement. So we show our... We show the light. We shine the light with our words, with our actions, and then with our attitudes, with, our, with, with humility, with kindness, gentleness, things like that. And it is possible for a person to speak the truth in such a way that it comes across arrogant, hateful, or mean-spirited. And the Bible says we need to speak the truth in love. And love ought to always be our motive. And then truth 
ought to be our message. So if we have the right motive and the right message, then the light shines. The light shines. So that's, uh, that's what I encourage you to do. Don't put your light, the light that Christ has ignited in you, don't put it under a basket. Let it shine. And through your words, through your behavior, your actions, and through your attitudes, let the light of truth and Christian faith shine before others. And the Bible says in Matthew's gospel that then people will see your good behavior, your good works, and they won't praise you. They will glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And the opposite is true. If they see a professing Christian behaving badly, they don't just say you're a joke. They say he's a joke. So let your light shine and let others see it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this uh, passage on the light. Lord, we know that you are the true light. God is light and in him and in you there's no darkness at all. We know that Jesus came as the true light to this earth. But we also know that you have made us children of light. And that we are to let the light that you have lit in us clearly be seen and clearly be shown so that others will come to the light, be drawn to it. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.